I'm curious, are you planning to take some vacation this year? Perhaps you're plotting your next road trip, outdoor adventure, fun in the sun, or some overseas travel. And when it comes to the planning, are the decisions based on your travel experiences? Maybe you feel that you have greater insights than a typical travel agent. Or are you someone who combs the web for ideas and recommendations? Do you check out multiple online booking sites, or is there one particular booking site that you have used before and will use again? Do you prefer to organize a trip a la carte and will visit destination websites to make specific choices? And if so, are you relying on reviews or your past experiences? We're going to discuss how the way you navigate through decision making are heavily influenced by your circle of influences and your age. Today on Finn Wisdom. Hello, I'm your host, Joel, and thanks for joining me in another exciting episode of Finn Wisdom. Today's title is aptly named Navigationally Challenged. Now, usually, each episode concentrates on one particular behavioral risk impacting your ability to manage your money. But today, I will be mentioning several. That's because these behaviors are in some way interconnected or polarizing to one another. It's actually quite amazing how many of our decisions are based on singular experiences. In fact, let's go through several everyday situations where you made choices based on your recall of a previous experience. Have you ever ordered a disappointing plate of pad thai from your nearby noodles restaurant or some other entree that is one of your comfort foods? And after the unpleasant experience, are you going to order from them when you have a craving for that same food again? Probably not. But what if it was a fluke? What if the regular chef happened to be out sick that day, or maybe since then, new management took over? Are you fond of a particular shoe store? Or better yet, the store you like is having a sale? And you've fallen in love with a pair of shoes you found online that's stocked locally. So you figure, why not get them today? You hop in your car, you drive to the store, and you speak to a salesperson who was just downright nasty. They had the shoe, but the miserable interaction with the employee left you with a less than stellar feeling about the store. I'm betting the next time you'll order online to avoid that experience again, or perhaps you won't buy from them ever again. But what if everyone else working there is pleasant? What if that person quit or got fired not long thereafter your experience? Or maybe something awful happened to them in their life just before you stepped into that store? And what about your experiences with co-workers? Tell me if you have not been in this situation. And for the sake of this example, let's say your co-worker's name is Leslie and the last project you worked on with Leslie was not very amicable to put it lightly. FYI, for anyone listening with the name out there, please forgive me for randomly choosing your name. Anyway, not long thereafter, a fellow worker mentions they have a new project and asks if they should reach out to Leslie for assistance. I would predict your response will be to state how awful Leslie was as a business partner, that you felt there was a lack of attention, time, and detail needed, and if at all possible, Avoid working with that person at all costs. 
But what if there were factors at that period when you worked with Leslie that prevented the proper attention time or resources necessary to make your project a priority? Now, going back to each of these stories, we can turn each of them into positive inferences. For example, the pad thai could have been superb because the usual chef was not cooking that night. The salesperson in the shoe store may have complimented you on how good those shoes looked on you and even gave you a shoehorn for free with your purchase. And as far as Leslie goes, maybe you achieved great success and an extremely productive collaboration that resulted in measurable results, but it's only because it was at a time Leslie was able to dedicate more time to it. In each of these three examples, a singular bad experience or a singular positive experience affected your future decisions when seeking to satisfy a similar need or want. Now, if you were sitting right in front of me at this very moment, perhaps you would respond, but Joel, I don't always make a decision based on a singular experience. I have years of training, expertise, and know-how that validate my decisions. That's true, and that can contribute to a higher probability of achieving desired outcomes. Core behaviors are reliable, but they are not how all people or the world act all the time. Here's a true-to-life scenario. Is there someone in your personal life or career that is known for how well they successfully managed a particular situation or project? Maybe they even received accolades, received a bonus, pay raise, or a job title change resulting from that achievement. And let's say in another year or two, a similar challenge arises and because of their experience, are asked to spearhead that project too. And they follow the same process to ensure above average results again. Only one thing. It doesn't. And that may be because of a change in audience preferences, resources, technologies, new expectations, different measures of success, etc. And you may have a degree or expertise in a given field. But learning isn't a said-and-done activity either. Anyone a fan of astronomy? The other day, I was engaged in an interesting conversation with a good friend of mine, and the topic was about our solar system. Now, in my youth, I was taught there were nine planets, which included Pluto. And based on literature and resources, it was for many years. But today, it's considered a dwarf planet and lost its status as planet number nine because it does not meet the criteria the International Astronomical Union uses to define a full-size planet. Now here's the thing. In 2016, astronomers believe they may have discovered and are hunting for a 10th planet that is said to be 10 times the mass of Earth, which also qualifies it for a full-size planet. And that's really fascinating to me. But based on our current knowledge, why have some supporters labeled it as the 10th planet? Shouldn't it be the new 9th planet? Are our previous knowledge and experiences impacting our present perceptions? All these illustrations are to help join a particular behavioral risk, and that's experiential bias. And experiential bias is when we have gained knowledge and experience in a given area, concept, or skill, and use what we have gained in making future decisions. Such as a result, we tend to not do our homework and less likely to conduct logical analysis and research that such a decision might dictate. 
This is especially true when we find ourselves making what we perceive as a similar decision we have made before. But meanwhile, the data, facts, and logic may have changed. And these behaviors are amplified as we age. Now, anyone listening who's younger, educated, up-to-date with newer technologies, and a keen ability to leverage online resources may feel justified in their common beliefs that these old farts don't get it. Because when we are in our earlier stages of life, we often claim older people are stuck in their ways and that their own fresher perspective is more valuable. (laughs) They say I'm a grumpy old man. (laughs) Well... Not so fast, you young whippersnappers. Don't start gloating just yet, because when you are younger, you are more susceptible to conformity bias. What's that, you say? What is conformity bias? That's when you are more likely to make decisions that conform to current social norms, culture, and team or relationship dynamics. Let's use the ever-popular smartphones as an example. Now, for the sake of not naming specific brands, let's say you're in the market for a new phone. You really like the brand name Universal based on its improved camera, speed, and how well it works with other platforms. However, all your friends and family brag and use the smartphone brand named Orange. You did your research, compared the two, and feel very confident the Universe phone is better. But despite all the supporting facts, you end up getting the orange because by buying the orange smartphone, you are satisfying a strong emotional desire for acceptance and creating group harmony, which may outweigh your ability to make a more rational decision. Let's go back to the office environment again, where you may have witnessed an extreme form of conformity known as groupthink. Just by me saying that word, groupthink, You're probably nodding your head now, saying to yourself, yeah, Joel, tell me about it. You're in a small conference room or a virtual chat room with several business partners. And you've been invited because of your unique skill set and experience. And it's expected that you will add value by expanding on your thoughts on the given subject matter. But what happens? It's like you are a spectator at a Broadway show and the entire meeting feels scripted and staged. Someone proposes an idea. Maybe it's even from your boss, and everyone around the table starts getting excited about it and giving that idea more kudos and acceptance. But based on your own experiences, you firmly believe there are facets of the idea that possibly warrant discussion to put the brakes on, but at this point, there is overwhelming agreement in the room to move forward with a plan to implement. And you wonder whether or not to figuratively raise your hand and be the party pooper. The sad thing is, Groupthink is an incredibly powerful behavioral force, and despite choosing to speak up or not, the project is barreling down the road at top speed. I think this is the perfect time to discuss how these become behavioral risks when we make financial decisions after this important sponsor break. Hi everyone, I just wanted to take this minute to personally thank my sponsor, DNA Behavior, for their support of Finn Wisdom. Anyone listening to this podcast understands the influences behavior has on relationships between employers and employees, and employees with clients. 
and intensified behaviors caused by unmanaged human differences, money attitudes, pressure, and emotions can potentially derail performance of your team and your organization. So to improve your organization's ability to communicate, increase its probability of success, and to improve client engagement, well, that's where DNA behavior comes into the picture. Intuition is great, but it doesn't measure behavior, particularly in this virtual world. But DNA Behaviors Tech Solutions do. So explore the behavioral insights that have enhanced over 31 million relationships worldwide, accelerating human performance with every connection. Visit dnabehavior.com to learn how their proactive approach can take your organization to the next level. Let's continue with today's episode, Navigationally Challenged. So back in 2008, the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago studied the average American's decision-making performance on several financial-oriented decisions. They then plotted their findings into two camps. The first is experiential capital, which measures one's level of experience making financial decisions. And the other, cognitive capital which measures one's ability to analyze information that was necessary to support their financial decisions. This is incredibly important because when we are younger, we tend to depend more on cognitive capital and we are more receptive to analytical information. As we age, we rely more on our long-standing experience and less on analytical information when we make decisions. So when you take all these factors together, you can determine the age of peak performance. Are you curious what that is? It's age 53. That's when, on average, we have the right balance between experiential and analytic capital at work. When it comes to financial decisions, the findings of the study have huge implications, especially as we move closer to or are in retirement. Before then, it's all about asset accumulation and building wealth. Now, you may be familiar with the risks associated with growing your savings and investments along the way, but here's what's scary. Right when you need to make decisions on how to generate income in retirement versus building wealth, your decision-making ability may have declined. And analytically speaking, making choices about how to create an income stream in retirement has different rules different risks, and a different set of facts to come to a solution. So at this critical junction of our lives, there is a strong possibility that you will intuitively rely more on your long-standing financial experience that is misaligned to this need. This phenomenon is also associated with another behavioral risk, anchoring behavior, which is the tendency to adhere to prior beliefs longer than one should. Now let's get back to conformity bias for a moment with some supportive research around it. Way back in 1955 and 1956, Solomon Elliott Ash was a psychologist and a pioneer in social psychology conducting conformity experiments and released the results in two or more papers around that time. The classic example of the power of conformity goes something like this. And by the way, again, I have to rely on your ability to visualize But this is relatively easy to follow along. So consider two boxes on a page. The first box has one vertical line going up and down, and it has nothing else. The second box has three vertical lines 
of varying lengths labeled A, B, and C. And the respondents of the study were to pick which line, A, B, or C, is identical in length to the one that's in the first box. Just to let you know, line C is glaringly obvious to be the same exact length as the one in the first line. And if you were asked, you would in all likelihood pick C. But here's the rub. When this was conducted with university students, all but the test subjects intentionally said that the answer was line A, not C. Visually, it was obviously incorrect. Ash found that the student participants conformed to an incorrect majority roughly one-third of the time. While not likely to be a life-or-death situation, conformity bias can become a tragedy in terms of financial outcomes and your ability to manage your money. People seem to be more comfortable mimicking others, even regarding monetary choices. I'm sure you heard the term keeping up with the Joneses. So how often do those social pressures... Did you get the latest and greatest name brand electronics, cars, clothing, vacation, homes, toys, and more? And by the way, shame on you for not getting your child a baby Yoda this last holiday season. Conformity bias ignores an important factor in that your financial situation is not the same as everyone else's in the group. And conformity can lead to unaffordability in terms of spending money the size of your loans and the subsequent monthly payments tethered to credit card purchases or on a larger-than-life car or home can significantly impact your child's education fund, the size of your nest egg, or your ability just to weather the unexpected. And let's talk about conformity in terms of investing. I can't think of a more fitting example than the GameStop fiasco. Who would have thought? that an ailing video game retailer would capture the world's attention. For those familiar with it, but really don't quite understand what happened, I'll sum it up in a few sentences. Reddit, which is an online community of people with similar interests, had a page dedicated to Wall Street investing. The authors commented on the frustrations they had with the large hedge funds making large amounts of profits and their impact on the value of securities with what they believed little regard for the companies the stocks represented. In particular, hedge funds use what's called short selling, which occurs when an investor borrows a security and then sells it on the open market, planning to buy it back later for less money. So in a move of vindictive behavior and an opportunity to reap some profits of their own, Reddit page Wall Street Bets put out a rallying cry for all its followers to buy GameStop stock, which in turn pushed the stock price to astronomical levels, enforcing the hedge funds to buy back at a far higher price as opposed to a cheaper price. Part of the issue is that many of those who followed the advice of Wall Street Bets were also users on the Robinhood app, which means these probably were mostly average Americans with not all that much purchasing power placing investments beyond their means. Without getting into all the detail, and because of the market fluctuations, Robinhood prevented many from selling out of the purchases at an opportune time. So while there were some winners from this, many people with far less assets under their belt were hurt. This is also an example of hurting behavior, but I'll save that for another podcast episode. So let's wrap up today's episode with some words of wisdom or Fin Wisdom, after this break.
If you're someone like me, you always appreciate a good self-help book that is engaging, improves your attitude, helps you tune into your goals. And if you're someone who desires to harness and manage unique differences in people to create a dynamic people culture, I strongly recommend picking up a copy of the award-winning book, Leadership Behavior DNA. It's written by Lee Ellis and Hugh Massey. It's available on Amazon for purchase or visit dnabehavior.com. And while there, you can even take a free test that will determine your personal behavioral style. Learn how the proactive approach can take your organization to the next level. That's dnabehavior.com. What's very interesting is that the ways to combat experiential bias are very similar to the ways to combat conformity bias. And here's what they are. Number one, stay informed. Follow and subscribe to trustworthy resources. It's important we all continuously keep ourselves educated and knowledgeable. Whether it's online or offline resources or a combination, make sure there is a contrast in points of view. And equally important, find yourself one or two mentors or certified financial professionals that you can share your concerns and goals. Having someone to bounce your money management thoughts can widen your eyes to potentially improve outcomes. Number two, balance years of experience with modern know-how. You probably seek out a doctor with years of experience, yet it's equally important to you that this healthcare professional is up to date on all the new procedures available. When it comes to your own money management, you probably made decisions based on your existing experiences at the time you agreed to ongoing expenses, loan rates, savings accounts, and short-term and long-term investment strategies. But when was the last time you compared them to today's personal financing and investment choices? New facts, investment options, and technologies added with your years of experience may present an opportunity to improve your financial well-being. And number three, very close to my heart, become an active listener. Try not to let your mind wander when you're listening to someone with financial know-how with lots of experience or a webinar, a conference, a video tutorial, keep eye contact. Show signs you're listening and using nods and other nonverbal gestures to express how what is heard is agreeable or not agreeable to you, even if there's no one in the room with you. Restate or write down key points. Ask open-ended questions. And again, even if there's no one to answer it, put those down so you can find the answers. This last one is an even tougher pill to swallow. Learn humility. Hate to break it to you, but for all those who think they have a solid savings, investing, or money management strategy, you're not the only person in the world with life experiences to share about those strategies. Likewise, for those who think they have more financial acumen because you completed a certificate, attended a conference or webinar, read several articles and opinions on social media, or watched a how-to video, That does not equate to hands-on experience. You may be positionally higher in terms of what you've learned about a particular financial subject matter, but everyone has ideas that matter. You can learn from everyone. Mostly, you can learn what to do, but you can also learn what not to do when it comes to money management. Although we've gone to great lengths to point out these polarized behavioral risks today, there's one common theme to combat them, and that's awareness. Awareness of the impact of your behavior. 
Increasing your ability to recognize them can ultimately help you to potentially reduce their influences. And so, going back to the opening teaser about vacation plans and plotting your course for that ideal trip, I think you realize by now that there is no right answer, because you are going to trust either your experiences or conduct extensive research. But all I can say is, you don't know what you don't know. So if you have travel experience, pretend as if you don't and explore new travel opportunities. If you're the king or queen of bargain travel online, don't rely on the info and reviews only. Reach out to someone personally that has visited your desired destination. Either way, expanding your world could lead you to the best vacation you ever had. As a copyright reminder, written permission is required to use any of the content shared. Any views expressed are my own and are not the opinion of any entity unless otherwise mentioned during the program. And since we are critical thinking creatures, these opinions are subject to change. For financial advice, consider consulting a licensed financial professional. And make sure to watch your inbox for the next exciting episode of Fin Wisdom.